We're sorry that at the beginning of today's message there were technical issues. Let's join the service already in progress. Landscape of America, this is what you end up seeing. And of Generation Z, that is those born, born between 1995 and 2010, we've sent some of those out for Powerhouse this morning. Anybody here left who was born between 1995 and 2010? Okay, we got some teenagers over here. All right, so we got a few. We got a hand, a couple of hands. Okay, so you got a little bit of those. You guys are Generation Z, and you're bucking the trend. Okay, Generation Z is the of those uh, of those age groups that have been categorized is the least churched among all generations. They also are the largest generation, bigger than the baby boomers. And therefore, will be a generation that influences our nation in a tremendous way through the years. They're already influenced it through advertising. And what you'll see is that that's going to be more and more because they, they're replacing. Hey, boomers, they're replacing us. Okay? So, here we are. This is, this is the lay of the land. Now, go back to that slide because when, when they were asked about their affiliation if you total three categories agnostic atheist and nuns i'll explain that in a minute then 34 percent of them fell into that category agnostics are those who believe yes that we i believe there's some higher power some some god of some kind i'm not really certain about uh, all the details but i'm there atheists are those who believe well i'm not really certain there is a god Nuns don't care. That's a brand new trend in our country. People for whom the question about God or the question about heaven or hell is just an irrelevant question in their lives. There's nothing there for them to really latch onto. It's just irrelevant for them. Now, these 34%, these are not bad people. Many of them are really, really great people doing really, really great things. It's just when you look at where they are on the religious landscape, they have removed themselves completely from what we would consider those who are connected in the life of a church somewhere. Now, why am I sharing all this with you? I believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs to, to understand the culture in which it lives. It'd be easy to put our heads in the sand and pretend that everything's good because everything's good at Grace Fellowship. That's easy. But we don't live here, right, in this building. We, we don't live here. I, I, I'm assuming, I don't see all you, of you during the week, so I'm assuming you don't live here. You live out there. You live in Greensboro. You live in... Union Point, you live out in the country somewhere between that. You live in Siloam, you live at Reynolds, you live in Harbor Club, you live in Eatonton. You, 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 you don't live right here. You live out there. And all you have to do is open up your eyes and recognize that not everybody's doing what I'm doing. Not everybody believes like I believe. Not everybody is where I am religiously in their lives. That's the world in which we live. And we as a church need to understand that world. But we need to do something beyond understanding it. 
We need to figure out how we're going to respond to it. We need to figure out if we're going to fulfill our mission. And our mission is pretty simple. Grace Fellowship exists to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to ask ourselves, how are we going to do that? And here's what we have to do as our first step. That is, we want it to begin here. We want it to begin with our kids and our grandkids. We want to take that seriously because where our kids and our grandkids are is they're in the Generation Z or perhaps the generation coming after that one. And therefore, the influences in their life are going to be incredible. There's going to be a, a, a just, it's, have, have you ever stepped out in the ocean and the waves come in and that's pretty cool and you're standing there in the sand and then the wave starts to go back out and you feel that, that pressure on the back of your legs and the sand begins to, to, to race away from your feet and you feel pushed forward into the surf. That's exactly what our kids and our grandkids are going to face. And what are we as a church going to do about it? Let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to go out and make big placards and go out and protest everywhere. There's a time and a place for doing a protest, but that ain't going to cut it. We're not going to get on the radio and start pointing fingers and yelling and screaming and telling everybody they're going to hell. And We're not going to do that. That's not going to be our approach. Hey, listen, I've, learned, I've been here long enough and I've been in this world long enough to know you've got to tell people the honest truth. Uh, yesterday, in, in, we went to Birmingham. Um, we, quick trip to Birmingham and back Friday. Came back yesterday. And uh, on the way down, there was a bumper sticker on a truck. And it, it, just, it just said, uh, heaven or hell, where will you spend eternity? Now, let me tell you what. 50 years ago, you, that, you asked that question. That got people really, really thinking about their souls but start asking it to someone in their teens or their 20s or even their 30s and it doesn't bother them at all well I mean that's a generalization okay for some it still will stick but we've got to begin to think how can we lovingly biblically aggressively, intentionally, prayerfully connect with people where they are in order to share the good news of Jesus Christ that we've discovered and to help them realize that that's not just, this is not just something for old folks or it's not just something to think about you know, when, you, when you're on your deathbed. It's life right now. And one of the things that we've chosen to do as a church is an emphasis called grace at home and you see the grace at home resource center let me just tell you that is just a small portion of what grace at home as an emphasis is that's there to provide resources and encouragement and and to to you know to help you it's just a tool that we're using but the whole point of grace fellowship is to get you to consider what it means to follow jesus as a lifestyle not something you simply do on a Sunday morning. Not just this section you've carved out of your life. But what does it actually mean to follow Jesus 
as a lifestyle. To follow Jesus on Monday and Wednesday and Friday and Saturday night, what does that actually look like? And so, as we continue to unfold grace at home for you, what we want to do is provide encouragement and tools and help to get you to think about discipleship here at the church, but also beyond the church. What's taking place around your dinner table, around your breakfast table, around the coffee table in your den? What's taking place as you drive back and forth to school events or drive back and forth with your grandkids? What's taking place when you're on vacation and you're just having general... What's taking place? Is Jesus still the center of your life? That's what we want to encourage And so, yes, we want you to attend worship. And if you have kids and grandkids, we want you to bring them to be connected here. We want you to be part of a small group. We think small group ministry is vitally important to your spiritual health. We want you to find a place of service. We want you to be able to plug in and not just to come and receive, but actually be able to come and, and to give and to connect with other people and to serve them. We want you to to experience for yourself and to communicate to your family. Be an example of sacrificial giving and sacrificial living. That there's something beyond myself that's so important that I'm actually willing to set aside a portion of my income, a portion of my time, a portion of my day in order to, to give towards that, even though it means we sacrifice on this end right now. But more than anything, more than all this, We want following Jesus to be a 24-7-365 pursuit for you and for your family. We want you to be able to make discipleship, making disciples, growing disciples. We want the center of that, and this is going to sound radical to some of you, we want the center of discipleship Not to be Grace Fellowship and not even to be our small groups. We want the center of discipleship to be your home. Biblically, that's where it ought to be. And we want you to see your church, Grace Fellowship, as a resource, a place of encouragement, a people who will encourage you, a people who will come alongside you to help you walk this path of faith we want grace fellowship to be that we're not here to replace what ought to take place in your home now we see this happen in other areas of our life we kind of we kind of farm at, farm it out to the church i've seen it happen in school where parents you know they they didn't i went to a school meeting one time And it was actually, I guess it was an evaluation that was being done. And so they brought in some folks from the state to talk. And they brought in some parents and some volunteers. And and they began to talk talk about what they were trying to do as a school. And then they asked for feedback. And a woman who had started her child in um, kindergarten or first grade, I'm not sure which one at this point. It's been a couple of years back. She started her child and she said, I didn't realize. Now, get this, I didn't realize that I was supposed to start my child reading at home. 
Now you'd sit there and go, shouldn't that just be normal? That you start, you've got a book in your lap and you're reading to your child and then you try to help them to start recognizing words and reading the story to you. You go, shouldn't that just be normal and natural? And the answer is yes. But there are people who are saying, you know what, I'm just farming this out. I'm just letting other people do it. And when we do that with the faith of our children and our grandchildren, then what we're saying is, I believe it's enough. That my children get exposed to faith for an hour or two a week. Now, when you calculate all the hours of a week, and my masculines aren't really good, but even I can multiply seven days times 24 hours and get a number. I don't know what the number is. I can't do it in my head, but I know how to do it. Somebody will, will raise their hand and go, hey, I got the answer. Anyway, it's okay. We don't need to know the answer. What we need to know is there's 24 hours in every day and there are seven days in a week and your children are going to be exposed to all kinds of things. They're going to be exposed to social media. They're going to be exposed, your children and grandchildren are going to be exposed to what they're getting in school, what they're getting in class, what they're getting with their friends, what they're getting from TV, what they're getting from movies, what they're getting from music, what they're getting from you, what we're getting from sports teams. What's they're going to be exposed to all these things out there. And you're telling me that two hours... Most weeks in the life of the church is all the faith exposure that they need. The home is the center of discipleship. And we, the church, are to come alongside you and to provide the information, inspiration, and accountability to help you move you and yourself and your family along that pathway. Jesus said, it's recorded in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's not just, hey, I got my kid down the aisle. I got my kid baptized. And now let's just set the button on cruise control and we're good from here. No. You need to be practicing this teaching your children and your grandchildren to practice this that following jesus is something i do daily as a matter of fact following jesus for me is equivalent to life it is life that's what it becomes for me now for those of you who've been reading along with us, and I'm a church member, you were in chapter 5, perhaps reading this week, or, or plan to read chapter 5, where he talks about uh, the title of chapters, I'll lead my family to be healthy church members. And obviously what we want to recognize this morning is that families don't always look like the black and white TV shows, where it's not always, families now aren't always mom and dad, you know, a couple of kids, a dog, a cat, white picket fence. And that's what family looks like. Family looks real, really, really different. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure family ever looked exactly like that for most people. Every family I've met has been dysfunctional, at least to some degree. We're dysfunctional in my house. I've got a dog that likes to run my head into a car. Okay, it's, it's dysfunctional in many, many ways. But what we're here today is, no matter what your family looks like, okay, 
And your family may look radically different than mom, dad, two kids, dog, cat, white picket fence. Your family may look radically different than that. That may not be where you are in life. But if you've got a family, if you've got children and grandchildren, then what we want to encourage you to do is to, to lead your family when it comes, and this is what, what he's saying here, lead your family to pray for the church. Make praying for the church, your local church, make that a priority for yourself. Lead your family to worship with your church. Don't, and again, we don't see a lot of this, but there, uh, I, I used to see this where cars would pull up and kids would get out and, and mom and dad would drive on and just drop their kids off. And, and I'm not seeing much of that. What I'm seeing here is that many of our parents are involved. They're coming to worship with their kids. That matters because your kids, they aren't fooled. They recognize your priorities by your lifestyle. He encourages us to, to serve through the church, to bring our families along to serve with us. And he encourages us to lead your family to invite others to church. But more importantly, I believe what this entire book is about is, is Rainer's calling us to lead your family to be the church. And see, that's different. That's more than a building and more than a set time on my schedule during the week. So, I want you to, if you will, I want you to see a family that's not mom and dad, a couple of kids, dog, cat, white picket fence. I want you to see a family in 2 Timothy chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, I'll let you open there. We put the, we're going to put the Scripture up on the screen. Also, it's in your handout if you picked up a, a copy of a handout this morning. If not, you can find 2 Timothy in the New Testament, which is on that right side of your Bible. Old Testament's on the left, right, right, uh, New Testament's on the right side. You get past the Gospels and Acts and Romans. Then there's uh, uh, some letters written by Paul, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Then there's a couple of smaller books in there, First and Second Thessalonians, where Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And then Paul writes to Timothy, and there's First and Second Timothy. We're in Second Timothy chapter 1. And this, this is what we read here, Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning reading with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child. Now hang on here. So we see very up front, the Apostle Paul is writing the letter. He's writing the letter to someone named Timothy, and he calls Timothy my beloved child. This is not Paul's biological son. Okay? Paul considers Timothy a spiritual son. And and we'll we'll talk about that in just a minute as to why he might do that. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's his greeting. Then he goes on to say, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. All right, so Paul is writing to Timothy, his spiritual son. Paul had taken Timothy on missionary journeys with him. Timothy had gotten to see firsthand from Paul's experience what it meant to to follow Christ in a very, very difficult time to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when it meant suffering in order to do that. And Timothy was also given the opportunity to to be pastor, to, to, to minister to people in that pastoral kind of role. They had a deep love for one another. Paul said he prayed for him daily. Again, I'll remind you, you may need little triggers in your life. Nancy used to set an alarm on her uh, phone to go off to remind her to pray, to stop during a busy day and to pray for our, our kids. Uh, I have, uh, I, I think I've mentioned this before, uh, I have, I have a, an Apple Watch my uh, family gave me a few years back. I turned off the little breathe thing because I figured I know how to breathe. But it's a breathe reminder. Its intent is to stop and get you just to take a few deep breaths and kind of, kind of rest, kind of relax. For me, it's become a reminder to pray for my wife and for my kids, for my family. And so sometimes you need little triggers like that in your life. And so uh, whatever it is that you need, that's what Paul said. He said, I'm praying day and night for you as a spiritual son. So, and then he goes on and uh, he, he talks about praying for him persistently and how he wants to see that gift that's in him be fanned into flame. But I want you to focus on verse 5. Put that verse 5. There we go. Look at this. He says, I'm reminded, I'm remembering as I'm writing this, I'm thinking about this. I'm reminded about of your sincere faith, a genuine faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Now, now hang on here with me. Um, Timothy also had a dad. And we read about, uh, we read about this in, in the book of Acts. Timothy's dad was not a believer in Jesus Christ. He was not Jewish. Uh, he was Greek. Um, and so Timothy grew up in a home where he had um, a believing grandmother and a believing mother. Um, we don't know about his granddad if he was in the picture. Uh, but his dad was not a believer. Okay? So what we're talking about here is this is not this idealistic picture of two Christian parents, two Christian grandparents, everything's fine, and Timothy grew up in this. Now, he grew up in a time where um, even as he's a young man, a Jewish man, um, would have typically been circumcised. Uh, Timothy was not circumcised because his dad wouldn't allow it. And so there was evidently a little bit of uh, tension in this home. And so here's the situation. But Lois's mother and grandmother created what can I use the term, a, a seedbed of faith for him. Uh, so you know what a seedbed is. You put seeds in it, and you, you're able to focus on those seeds and get them to grow. And that's precisely what Lois and Eunice provided for Timothy. It was a seedbed, a place where his faith could be nurtured, where they planted the seeds of, of the truth, the seeds of the gospel, and that faith could be nurtured and where it could safely grow and that's a beautiful picture and parents and grandparents i want you to get this picture in your mind 
of what your home could be. I've tried not to make this series, and literally I try not to make any time I preach, about pointy fingers and guilt, okay? What we're, what we're freed for is for incredible possibilities of what could be. And here we see a picture of what could be. For your kids, for your grandkids, that you be intentional about creating a seedbed of faith in your home where the seeds can be planted, where they can be nurtured and watered and fertilized, and where their seeds can begin to grow in a safe environment. Could your home potentially be that kind of seed bed for your kids and your grandkids? I'm going to tell you something. Listen, it will not happen by accident. If you're not intentional about this, it will not happen. Uh, write down on your notes somewhere, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 11. I don't have the exact verses in my head right now, but just write those two down. Here's where Moses is giving instructions to the children of Israel. And there you'll find uh, in Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 11, you'll find Uh, Two portions of Scripture that seem awfully similar. And I want you to focus on those two. Because here Moses is telling telling the children of Israel that this is is how I want you to get the Word of God, the truth of God, into your kids' lives. And he's basically saying, as you go through your daily routine, talk about the things of God. As As you go through just a normal day, talk about the things of God. Can I be honest with you? That is not how I was raised. Now, I had a Christian mom. I had a Christian dad. But that's not how I was raised. And I think my dad grew up in a generation where your faith was not something. Your faith was not only personal, it was private. And therefore, it just, I mean, you go to church, but you don't deal much with, with, with it the rest of the week. And again, I could come down and be hard on my dad or my mom, and I'm not going to do that because, honestly, they were doing the very best that they know how. But I'm here to tell you right now that in the environment in which we live, you've got a lot working against you. And if you want your children, your grandchildren, to have an opportunity to know Jesus personally and discover he is not just uh, a mythical story, but he is a real man. He was God's, God's son, God in flesh and blood who came down and, and lived a life in front of people, performed miracles, taught beautiful truths, but did more than that, who died on a cross was buried in a tomb and on the third day rose again and offers hope and life to those who would trust in him and promise to be with them always. I wish I'd have known more of that when I left home and went to college. I think my freshman year might have been a little different. And again, I don't blame my mom and my dad for that. 
They were doing the best they knew how. Here's what I am doing. I'm here to give you an opportunity to do differently. Make a different choice. To create a seedbed of faith. So that your children and your grandchildren have an opportunity to hold on to something significant, eternity-altering, beginning at a very, very young age. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip some of this message. You have no idea. Every Sunday morning, I'm sitting in here going, okay, I'm going to take that part out, take that part out, take that part out. I've got to take that out. And then I get in here and I go, hey, Michael, we've got to do something with the slides. Uh, you know, you know, here's, a, here's a different copy of the message for you to follow along. So here, I, let me just, let me just, I want to just jump to the end. And so, alert Ellie, I'm jumping to the end because this morning I want to challenge you. I really want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to choose how you want to live and to choose how you want to lead. Choose how you want to live. Do you want to live as if Jesus is significant 24-7, 365? Or do you want to live as if Jesus is only significant for an hour or two on a Sunday? Choose how you want to live. Parents, grandparents, choose how you want to lead. Now, again, you may be, and your situation may be a little bit different. Sometimes you have a parent, a, a, you know, if you're a grandparent, you may have a parent who's, who is diametrically opposed, who, who's really kind of fighting against you, and you need a lot of wisdom from the Lord to know exactly how to handle that. Lois and Eunice needed wisdom from God to know how to handle that with, their, with, with Timothy. You need wisdom. But don't quit trying. You need to understand, how am I going to lead my family? That is your choice. I can't choose it for you. It's yours. Are you willing to take a stand? I don't mean physically I'm asking you to stand up here, but I mean take a a stand in your life and say, I choose to be intentional about living living a life of faith and a life of faithfulness. In other words, as as for me, I am going to live a life of faith and a life of faithfulness. I want to follow Jesus. I want to take seriously when he says to come after him daily. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, then would you be willing to take a stand and say that I choose to be intentional? To be intentional in leading my family to a deeper connection with Jesus and a deeper commitment to his church. I don't have the stat in mind, in my head, but let me, uh, let me share with you one of the things that we're seeing with church attendance, church participation. And that is the definition of being a, a frequent or regular church attender here's what's happened that used to be if you said yes i go to i go to such and such a church and and we're very faithful and active there that would typically means that three out of four sundays you would have you'd be there now something always comes up but three out of four sundays you're typically you're there do you know what that means now when they ask people hey you're a frequent uh you know faithful you consider your faithful self a faithful member in a church and now it's like one Sunday a month. So that means 
instead of your, your children or your grandchildren having eight to ten hours where they're connected in a church during the course of a week, uh, during the course of a month, it may that be down to two hours. Now add all those hours up in the course of a month. And so if, if you don't, if you aren't intentional about not just connecting them to the church, but connecting them to Jesus at home, then that, that tide, that, that pulling of water on the back of your legs is getting stronger and stronger on your kids. One of the greatest verses, I keep coming back to this, keep coming back to this. It's not up on the screen, but I want to share it with you this morning as we prepare to close. It's the words that Joshua used to challenge God's people as they prepared to enter into the Holy Land. And he said this, he said this, he said, choose this day, choose this day. Don't wait till tomorrow, don't wait till next week, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land that you now dwell. In other words, looking looking in the past, looking at what's around you now in the culture. And then he goes on to say this. But as for me, my decision and my house, my family, we will serve the Lord. Will you be that Joshua today? We're going to have a closing song here in just a moment. And I, I want to ask parents and grandparents if you'd be willing to do this. If you'd be willing to leave your seat this morning and come here. And to kneel and to pray for your children and your grandchildren. Whatever their ages. If there are those here who need to take a step of faith and. Accept this Jesus we've been talking about as personal Savior and Lord. I'm going to be right down front and I would love to meet you and talk with you and encourage you in that path. If you need a church family, a place to come and connect and belong, to be loved and to love, to be served and to serve, if you believe God's leading you to the Grace Fellowship, then I'll be down here. I'd love to receive you. We'll have elders down here. would love to receive you. Whatever it is that you believe the Lord's leading you to do, we want to invite you to come. But this morning, specifically, would you be willing to come and pray for your children and for your grandchildren and to lift them up to the throne of God and make the commitment that as for you and your house, you'll serve the Lord. That you're going to make that seed, your home, a seedbed of faith for your children and grandchildren. Heavenly Father, in this time, a time of decision, a time of commitment, Lord, I pray that you would do your work by the power of your spirit. Thank you for your word and its truth and its power. And thank you for the opportunity, Lord, the opportunity to follow Jesus. For the salvation we find in him, for the consistency that we find in him as he walks with us. And Lord, for the opportunity, for the opportunity to share the love that we have for Jesus and the love that he has for us, to share that with our children, our grandchildren. And Lord, if we're in a situation where we're single, we don't have kids or grandkids, Lord, would you show us those people in our lives who can become those spiritual children for us, just like Timothy was 
for Paul. People that we can encourage and to help them walk that walk of faith. Lord, today is a day of choosing. This time is a time of commitment. And so we come in Jesus' name. Amen.